So as I mentioned tonight, we want to talk a little bit about a passage that is found uh, in Luke chapter 17. Luke 17. Luke 17, Jesus asked a very good question. That question was, where are the nine? Our lesson text, our main passage this morning, this evening, is going to be Luke 17, verse 17 and 18. The Bible says, and Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. So here we read about Jesus healing ten lepers. And so let's just back up and, and read some more verses. Let's go back up to uh, about verse 11. Go to verse 11. Let's try to get the whole story in our minds. Verse 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. As uh, you know, leprosy was one of the most dreaded diseases of that day. Uh, there is some that still goes on today, mostly in the third world countries. We don't hear that much of it here in, in the United States of America, but it still is uh, a disease that, that continues. But uh, not to the degree that it was in the time of Christ. Uh, of course, it was uh, a horrible thing to find out that you had leprosy. That meant years of misery. Uh, there was no way to be healed from it, uh, really, except for the way these men were healed. And in a miraculous sense, this disease advanced very slowly. Uh, that made it also very difficult. The hair would oftentimes be bleached white. The body becomes covered with sores and, and uh, scales. It spreads through even the, the marrow and the bones of a person's body. Eventually, the joints begin to separate. And then after the joints would separate, the fingers and the toes and other members of the body would eventually fall off one by one. Years ago, I preached on this particular passage. I mentioned leprosy, and I put some a uh, couple slides up there of people who had leprosy, and uh, I happened to look over them again, and I'm glad I, I decided not to show them tonight because uh, it's just a horrible thing to see. Uh, it, it's terrible, but that will give you... The whole point was to try to give us an idea of how ugly sin is. That was the reason I did that many years ago. When you see that those slides and then you compare that to sin you know in a, in that nature then uh, that's how horrible it looks and it's really bad you see when people had leprosy many times they wanted death to hurry up and come because of that long extended period of just suffering and knowing there was no cure 
They wanted to hurry up, but it wouldn't happen. Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, you can read a lot about uh, leprosy and how they were to uh, determine whether it was leprosy or not and how the lepers were to be treated and the things that were to take place uh, because of leprosy. Now, also, mention, I want to mention this, that all lepers were to be quarantined from the rest of the people, from the people that were well because of its very contagious nature. It's kind of like sin in a sense. It's pretty contagious, isn't it? Well, the Bible says evil communications corrupt good morals and good manners. And so, uh, but leprosy was very uh, dreaded. It was a very horrible disease. You know, I think of cancer and things like that today. And then this virus for many people is, is much like that. It's, it's really tough. And by the way, keep Susie, um, Susie's husband in your prayers. He is now in intensive care. And they called her in to, to see him before they put him on a ventilator. And so Larry Kirby, keep Larry Kirby in your prayers. Uh, they also have closed down that congregation for now because I think she said 11 out of 43 members have tested positive for COVID. And so uh, they're really fighting that fight up there right now. And so uh, please keep them in your prayers and especially uh, Brother Larry because he's in very serious condition. He has kidney stones on top of all of that that he's fighting. And so uh, he certainly needs our prayers and Susie would greatly appreciate it if we will continue to remember him in prayer. So, but uh, as we think about COVID, it seems to be very contagious. I don't know how much of all this I can believe. I don't understand any of it hardly, but it does seem to be very extremely contagious. Well, leprosy was like that. It was very contagious. And so people, when they had it, they had to stay away from people. And when they saw people coming near them, they'd have to cry out, unclean, unclean, so the people would know and stay clear of them so they would not get this horrible disease. Now. Over the years, a lot of people have used this text that we're talking about to really teach about salvation through Christ Jesus. And there's a lot that can be taught from here about salvation and going to Jesus, and uh, it can be used that way. And so when that is done, like I just mentioned, they kind of compare leprosy with sin or sin with leprosy and some things about leprosy that uh, you can compare with things about sin. Uh, one thing we know that these men that we are studying about, these ten lepers, uh, they knew the destructive nature of leprosy. Uh, they, no doubt they had been around it, they had seen it, uh, they were lepers themselves, and so they had a very good knowledge of how destructive leprosy was. They also, these men recognized Jesus. They recognized him as the great physician. And there looked to be no hope for them whatsoever that they would live their lives very long. They, they saw Jesus and they realized that he was their hope. In Mark chapter 2, verse 17, the Bible says, When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I am come to call the righteous, uh, I am come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus is indeed the great physician, and he had the power to heal them from their leprosy as he did. They also asked for mercy. They asked for mercy. They didn't ask for justice. When they saw the great physician coming, they realized their condition that they were in, and they cried out for mercy. Luke chapter 17, verse 13. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, they recognized him, Master, Lord, have mercy on us. 
have mercy. When people are in that kind of condition, that's what they want. They want mercy. But they also had to have an obedient faith. An obedient faith. You'll notice in Luke chapter 17, verse 14, And when they saw him, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went there, they were healed. As they went, they were cleansed. And so, here's the faith that these men had. Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. Why? Because Leviticus 14, 1 through 36, uh, point, pointed out if someone thought that they were healed from leprosy, then they would need to go to the priest and he would examine them. And so you have the procedures mentioned there, everything that was to be done. And so that was what they were to do. Go see the priest. Go show yourself to the priest. But these men left on their journey to find the priest before they were ever cleansed. In other words, Jesus said, you go show yourself to the priest. Well, they were still lepers. They still had the scales. They still had the sores. They still had the issues. But as they went on their way in faith, they realized that they were cleansed. And so they had to have a pretty decent amount of faith to take off to the priest, believing that they would be cleansed by the time they got to where the priests were. Sinners like these lepers must also realize the destructive nature of sin. Romans 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. That's pretty destructive, isn't it? Separation from God Almighty. In Matthew 7, verse 13, Jesus said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way which leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Those that follow down the broad way, the way of living their lives the way they choose to live and not the way God has commanded, they will find destruction in that way, and at the end of that way, they will be separated from God eternally. And so, sinners like lepers must realize the destructive nature of sin. They must recognize that Jesus Christ is the great physician. Muhammad can't save you from your sins. Buddha cannot save you from your sins. No man living can save you from your sins. Jesus is the great physician. I can't remove one sin. You can't remove one sin. You can't heal a sin-sick soul. I can't heal a sin-sick soul, but Jesus can. He is the great physician. As one brother has said, he's never lost a case, and he hasn't. But also those who are sick with sin must also seek mercy and not justice. Every sinner deserves destruction. And Romans 3.23, the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I don't know about you, but I didn't go to the Lord asking for, for justice. I didn't ask Him to give me what I had earned. When I obeyed the gospel, I was wanting mercy because that's what I needed. Every sinner needs mercy, not justice. And then, like those lepers, the sinner must have an obedient faith. You see, when that sinner has been told what to do to have his sins forgiven, he must follow those instructions. 
This may be hard for you to believe, but quite often when my, pre my uh, doctor tells me to go see another doctor or go do this or that, many times I don't do what he tells me to do. You, you may be the same way. But if you're going to be saved by the great physician, you've got to do what he tells you to do. You've got to do exactly what he says, exactly the way he's prescribed it. And if you don't, then you will not heal, be healed from being sin sick. And so there are some similarities, and you can make those uh, comparisons between these lepers and someone that's uh, living in sin. But that's not what I really want to talk about from this text. I, I really want to talk about the subject of ingratitude. Ingratitude. And so we're going to focus primarily on the nine and what is said about them. So only one of the ten turned back and thanked God. Isn't that probably about like it is? About one-tenth? You would have thought that knowing somewhat about their condition, all ten would have ran back and did like the one. It's kind of hard to understand in your mind why they didn't or what kind of excuses or what kind of uh, things they would say why they did not return to see Jesus. But the Bible says in Luke 17, verse 16, 15 and 16, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he was on his way to see the priest. He realized he was healed. He did an immediate about face. He turned around, the Bible says. He turned back, and with a loud voice, he glorified God. He didn't care who heard him. He was so happy. He really realized his condition before being healed. He realized what the great physician had done for him. And he went back praising God with a very loud voice. He glorified God. And then when he got to where Jesus was, the Bible says he fell on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And notice the Bible says he was a Samaritan. Now you know the relationship between Jews and Samaritans. Most of the Jews looked upon the Samaritans as they were lower class people, that they were like dogs, basically. You know, isn't it amazing how many times that we read about Samaritans, the people that you would not expect to do right were the ones that did right? The ones that were looked down upon, frowned upon, they would be the ones that would do what was right, surprisingly. Well, the Bible brings that out. Why else would it say this man was a Samaritan? Well, the rest, the other nine, they didn't come back. They didn't come back and show gratitude. They would have been expected to do that, but they didn't. This Samaritan did. And Jesus was very well pleased with this man's action. In Luke chapter 17, verse 19, And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. So he was pleased with him. But now the, the nine displayed no gratitude. They didn't appear to be thankful. They had a lack of gratitude, to say the least. In verse 17 and 18, remember, and Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this. Notice here he's called a stranger. The stranger. He wasn't a Jew. The Samaritan. He's the one that returned. But what about... The other nine. So Jesus is saying, where are the other nine? Letting us know that they should have followed suit. They should have been just like the one, the stranger, the Samaritan. They should have returned, but they didn't. All people that are guilty of this sin 
are considered in the Bible to be wicked people. And their wickedness will not go unnoticed. I don't know what the nine were thinking when they didn't return to, to Jesus to give thanks, but maybe they thought that he wouldn't notice. Maybe they thought it wouldn't be a big deal with Jesus. Some have called this one of the blackest sins of all, one of the most despicable sins. I don't normally have one sin darker than the other sin. Sin, they all separate man from God. Some have a greater effect on others than some. Some just more with an individual, some with others. So they're greater in that sense. But this, no doubt, is a horrible sin. And when you find unthankfulness mentioned in the Bible, you find it with a lot of other sins that you wouldn't think would even, it would even come close to comparing with those sins. But it does. Sin, any sin, all sin, separates man from God. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Paul gives that great list of sins. And he says, Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Later, he says, those that do such things are worthy of death. So unthankfulness is a horrible sin. Young people, you need to keep that in mind. Be thankful, always. Be thankful to your parents. Be thankful for, to your teacher. Be thankful for those that assist you and do good things and nice things to you. Be thankful. And may we as adults always be good examples to you that you see thankfulness in us when we start counting our many blessings. Alita was very big on making our children write thank you cards and thank you notes to people because actually being a preacher and, and having you know my family in the church has brought us many blessings because, well, I work with the greatest people in the world. And y'all have showed your appreciation to myself and to my family time and time and time and time and time again. But I know that Aletha, that was a big thing with her. She made sure our children told everyone thank you for everything that you did for them or anybody else, and they would, she'd have them write cards. And y'all are doing the same thing. That's a good practice. Keep it up. Let people know you're thankful. Don't, don't ever become unthankful. Don't be ungrateful. That's a horrible thing. And you know something else? You don't tell people you're thankful or express your appreciation because you want them to do more for you. But the truth of the matter is this. If you show that you're not grateful, they'll do less for you. And eventually they won't do anything for you many times. Some will continue to, but for the most part, many won't want to do as much for you. They won't want to help you or come to your rescue or come to your aid. But when they know you appreciate it and you're thankful for what they do for you, it makes them want to do more and more and more. And you'll find as you try to do for others, you can't outdo them. They always up you. They always want to do more for you than you do for them. So be thankful. Don't be unthankful. To not be thankful is definitely a sin. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, This know also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Look at verse 2. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. That sounds like today, doesn't it? Men loving their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. And the list goes on. And so you find this being unthankful right in the midst of all these other horrible sins. 
Be thankful. Be thankful always. God expects us to be thankful. Well, the nine didn't appear to be. They may have said, well, we were very thankful, but, well, you didn't express it to the one that healed you. You didn't express it, so if you're thankful, express it. And one way or another, so that those that have blessed you will know that you do appreciate what they've done. These nine lepers should have heeded the advice of the wise prophet Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24, Samuel said, Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with, your heart, with all your heart, for consider how great things he has done for you. Consider, when you think about God, consider what great things he's done for you. And I love that song we sing from time to time, Count Your Many Blessings. You start counting your blessings. If you do that at night when you, before you go to bed, you start counting your blessings. I promise you, you'll fall asleep. And you won't even be close to, coming, to naming all the blessings. We have blessings that we don't even know we have. We have been blessed abundantly and continue to be. And so we need to be mindful of those things. We need to consider how great a thing God has done for us. Did you know that be ye thankful is a command that God has given us? A direct command. In Colossians 3.15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Just think about your blessings. Think about being a part of the body of Christ. Isn't that a rich blessing that we enjoy today? The blessing of being able to come together and worship with each other the way that we are today, have we we've been doing, to praise our God without fear from any outside uh, forces at this time. And to be of the same mind, to have the precious word of God that we have, to have the salvation, to be able to take the Lord's Supper, to sing praises to God. So many wonderful blessings that we enjoy. Yes, it is a command. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18, Paul said, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything. Be thankful. Give thanks. It's a command. Be thankful to God. That's one of the reasons why we pray to God. We pray to God to praise Him, of course. And we, praise, we pray to God to make our requests known to God as we've been commanded. But also we pray to give Him thanks. And again, I still say there are times when you ought to just pray. This is my opinion, strictly Mike Ray's opinion. Sometimes you ought to just pray prayers of thanksgiving. Don't ask for a thing. Just thank him for the many things that he's blessed you with. I know it meant a lot to me when my children would come up to me and not ask for anything. They just wanted to thank me. They just wanted to love me. They didn't want anything. You know, some people, when you get a phone call from them, you can almost answer and, and say, well, what do you want now? What do you need now? But isn't it wonderful when your children call you and they don't want anything except to just let you know they love you and they appreciate you? Well, we were created in the image of God. And I can imagine that it's music to God's ears when we just take the time to humbly bow our heads and thank Him and thank Him and thank Him for all the many blessings that He's bestowed upon us. I also think about all the many people that have contributed in our knowing the truth. Perhaps your parents that brought you up in the ways of the Lord. Uh, what about 
the one that may have taken the time to teach you the gospel, to convert you, and to baptize you into Christ? What about all the Bible class teachers you've had over the years? What about those that you've known that have stood so strong for the truth, and they've instilled that faith in you, that genuine, that unfeigned faith like Timothy had, given to him by his mother and his grandmother? When we start thinking about all the precious people in our lives that have contributed to us and the knowledge that we have, and those that have been such great examples before us that we still see in our minds, even many who have gone on to their reward, yet we still remember them day by day. They are in us in that sense. We hear their voices. We see their faithfulness. Oh, we ought to be so very thankful for those that have influenced our lives and continue to influence our lives from day to day. You know, there are many examples of ingratitude, men being... Uh, ungrateful to other men, not showing or appreciating what others have done for them. Like in Genesis 31, verse 6 and 7, the Bible says, And you know that with all my power I have served your father. And your father hath deceived me, changed my wages ten times, but God suffered him not to hurt me. And of course that was Jacob talking about Laban, uh, who was not as grateful or thankful as he should have been uh, for his services. Uh, he had served him very well, but yet he had been deceived, and, and Jacob was not treated the way that he should have been treated by his father-in-law, Laban, for all that he did for him. And, of course, I know that probably hurt Jacob some. It, it hurts when people don't seem to appreciate the things that you do and the sacrifices that you make for others. Uh, but yet, on the other hand, it, it blesses you when they do appreciate it. And you know that they appreciate it. And so that's the way that works. Uh, another good example, I, I hate to kind of use the word good there, maybe I shouldn't say that, but another example of people not being grateful toward others would be the children of Israel. They were not grateful for the leadership of the great man Moses. The little time that I served as an elder being working with this congregation and small and as good as you are it did kind of help me to at least think a little bit about what it was like for Moses but this doesn't even compare because this is a great congregation of people you have a few through the years that that cause you some hardship and you spend a lot of time with a small percentage of members most members do well and they grow and they they do what they're supposed to do but you'll have a few here and there that that can, like they say, be a burr under your saddle. Uh, they can give you a hard time, and you say, oh, how am I going to get through all this? Well, just think about Moses. Oh, was he a great leader? All the people that he led, and under the difficult circumstances, and then to hear them be so ungrateful for his services. In Exodus chapter 17, 1 through 4, the Bible says, And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim and there was no water for the people to drink wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said give us water that we may drink and Moses said to them why chide ye with me wherefore do ye tempt the Lord and the people thirsted there for water. And the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? 
Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this unto this people? They have they be almost ready to stone me. Moses was doing all that he could do. It was in God's hands. And God was testing them. He was seeing if they would be faithful to him, if they would love him and do what he commanded and trust in him. But you know what they did? They turned against God's leader, Moses. And they wanted to stone him. They wanted to kill him. And he was only doing that which was right and pleasing in the sight of God. He was leading them. He was blessing them. But yet in return, they wanted to stone him. There are also many examples of ingratitude towards God. Again, Israel is another example of that. They were very unthankful, ungrateful people uh, during the time of the wilderness wandering. Even though they were especially blessed by God as being God's chosen people, they still forgot God. Deuteronomy 32, verse 18. Of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful and hast forgotten God that formed thee. My dad used to say an unthankful person is a, is a forgetful person or a person that uh, is not a thoughtful person. You've got to be thoughtful. Uh, thankful people are thoughtful people. And so they forgot God. They were not thoughtful. They were not thankful uh, for all the many blessings that God bestowed upon him. Many became unthankful when they had great wealth and honor and fame. Isn't that amazing? It's like the more God blessed his people, the more unthankful they became, the more unappreciative they became. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning with verse 11, we have an example of that. It's a, really, it's a warning about becoming unthankful and forgetting God when you've been so richly blessed by him. We have to be careful of that in the United States. We need to be careful that here in Fairhope, we are very rich and we are very, a very blessed people and blessed by God. Let's not forget where our blessings are coming from and let's make sure that we are always thankful and we always express our appreciation to God, realizing how rich and well off we are. That's where the danger really is. Uh, when you're having hard times and things are not going well and you, you have to search and scratch for a piece of bread to be able to feed yourself and your children, it's a lot easier to look to God during those times because he's the one that can provide when no one else can. But when we're richly blessed, it's usually those times when we start thinking about what we have done, what we have accomplished, and we forget God and the real one who is the provider of all. So in Deuteronomy 8, verse 11, beginning, the Bible says, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God, in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied, can that be said of us today? We've got so much stuff, we don't even know where to put it all. God has multiplied our things over and over and over and over again. And then he says, when all those things are multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. They were warned by Moses ahead of time. 
And what happened? When they went in the promised land, God blessed them. He heaped up their blessings, stacked blessings on top of blessings. What did they do? They forgot God. And then they went a whoring after other gods. I think about the foolish farmer that we read about in Luke chapter 12, verse 16 through 21, who God blessed him so much so that he had nowhere to store all of his fruit. And then being the wise man that he was in his own mind, he said, oh, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build greater barns. And when I fill those barns up, then I'll say, soul, soul, that has many goods, much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. He didn't, not one time did he give thanks to God for all of his many blessings. No doubt in his mind, he was the reason for all the many blessings that he had received. He left God out of the picture. But God, you remember what God said to him? God called him a fool. Was he a fool? Yes, he was a fool. Why? Because God said he was a fool. God said, this night shall thy soul be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast? And so you can store it up. But in one moment of one day, your life can be taken away. And then what good will those barns full of fruits be when you're not here to enjoy? Oh, when we are well off like we are, it's when we need to be extremely careful that we show our thanks, our appreciation to God, that we praise Him, that we be like the man who turned back after he realized that he'd been cleansed, that we go back and, and, and give Him thanks and glorify Him over and over and over again. Continue to do that. Fall at his feet in praise and thanksgiving because he is truly the one that gives us all these wonderful blessings. I think about men in the church that would be good examples of this, like Pat Boone. I still see him on television, on commercials from time to time. And every time I see him, I think about, here's a man that once obeyed the gospel. He knew the truth. But he became famous, he became well-off because of his God-given talents, and he left the Lord. I think about Randy Owens. I hear the same thing about him, the man who was in the band Alabama, member of the Church of Christ, became very famous, and left the Lord. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've accomplished. Look who I am now. Today, we ask the question, where are the nine? This evening, where are the nine? We receive thousands of blessings daily, both spiritual and physical. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings, not some, not a few, but all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. I think about what James wrote in James 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights in whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Too often we forget the hand that feeds us. We need to be sure that we're not guilty of that. We don't want to be like the old hog that just eats the acorns and never looks up to see where they're coming from. We need to realize that every good gift, every perfect gift comes from God. Every spiritual blessing comes from God. Where would we be tonight without God? 
Oh, we owe him everything. When men are raised from life-destroying sicknesses, occasionally one remembers to thank God, but where are the nine? When men are saved from dangers and storms and the fire of enemy soldiers or death, when it, when it stalks the highway, now and then one returns to thank God, but where are the nine? When it comes to saving souls, a few are busy, but where are the nine? When it comes to giving thanks for the salvation that many enjoy, some return to give God thanks, but where are the nine? You know, Paul was very thankful for being saved. He was so thankful that God saved him from his sins that in Romans chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, he wrote, I am debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. And then he said, So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that Rome also. What was he doing? He was expressing his thanksgiving. He realized that because of what God was doing for him, had done and was doing, that he was in debt. He was a debtor. And he showed his gratitude by going out, teaching the lost, the gospel of Jesus Christ, working tirelessly with members of the church of Christ, trying to save their souls and edify and build them up. Paul returned to say thanks to God. But where are the nine? Paul was very thankful. May we count our blessings. May we be very thankful for each of them. Those that, whom we're blessed by other people, may we always express how much we appreciate what others do for us, no matter how small or how great. And may we always remember God, be mindful of Him, and know that every good and perfect gift is from Him, and always be thankful to God for His many blessings, not just during Thanksgiving holidays. I love this time of the year, and I love Thanksgiving, and I love the time of getting together and being with the family and really expressing how much we are thankful for the blessings of family and, and life itself and the, and the good meals that we have more than we probably should have. So it's a good time of the year, and I'm, and, but I, what I'm saying is this, that needs to continue, that attitude. Let's not just wait till Thanksgiving and all of a sudden, oh, we're so thankful for everything. No, no. Let's be thankful always. Let's give thanks to God always. Let's always remember to express how much we appreciate for others. Let's not be like the nine. Let's be like that stranger, that Samaritan. Let's always appreciate and let's express how much we appreciate to those who bless us and especially be thankful to God for the countless number of blessings that he has already given us and that he showers upon us every single day. If you're here this evening and you're not a Christian,